0: Welcome to the State of Recruiting, a podcast featuring Mike Roach, Horns twenty four seven Sports recruiting analyst and Texas expert. Mike, how you doing, bud?
1: I'm good, Bobby. How are you? Uh,
0: did you you survive signing, uh, signing day?
1: Yeah, slept in a little today. Uh, dropped my uh, behind the scenes piece on the Texas class. Wrote all that last night and uh, have two parts coming out today as we're recording this on Thursday. So. Um, kind of l- going to let our readers feast on that and, and take it easy a little bit today.
0: Good for you. Um, before we get going into kind of uh, evaluating the class as a whole, uh, recap just briefly what happened in the last 24, 36 hours for Texas.
1: Um, you know, yesterday was, was kind of how we saw it as we as we came down the to the end. We talked about... Uh, you know, maybe having a chance for all four guys they ran on, but you know, as it came down to the last 48 hours, it started to definitely look like they were probably going to go two for four with the guys we thought they would go uh, with, and that's exactly how it shook out. They landed Calvante Dixon, as we talked about yesterday, um, the night before signing day, uh, missed out on Ennis Rakestraw and Prince Lee and then the you know the worst kept secret in in recruiting was that Alfred Collins was was going to be at Texas, so. Uh, And, Bobby, I don't know if you saw the video or or any of our coverage from it, but one of the more unique, I guess, uh, uh, announcement ways that that Alfred did it, it was kind of like a a gender reveal party where he popped a balloon that had burnt orange uh, baby powder inside of it. Uh,
0: Yeah. (laughs) It takes all kinds these days, Mike. (laughs) I'm more more interested in the fact that Alfred's 6'5", 285 and can play football. (laughs) <laughs> than, no, his, just, than his than his theatric techniques right. you know <laughs> well, You know what? I, I, here's what I appreciated
1: about it like Cedar Creek is has never had a, a right. really a big name athlete they I don't know when the next time they will other than they do have a, a really good basketball player there but they went all out to make sure that the whole school and the whole basically the whole community could celebrate that and I, and I understand that part of it and I know throughout your time you've seen some weird probably uh, reveals or, or announcements, but uh, that one was was a new one for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those things where the these guys aren't paid actors, but you know, once a lifetime, why not? And so, uh, right. more power to them. I don't. I, I have a problem when they tease things or uh, overplay it, but you know, just revealing your choice I, it, with five hats on it on the table, that's fine. Just don't feign like you're going to one hat and pick another, you know, just choose it and go for them there. All right, uh, Mike, uh, I think that uh, what I'd like to do today with you um, is also go down. I I wrote a piece this morning uh, for the board that discussed grading the strengths and weaknesses and whether or not Texas filled the need at each position um, in recruiting, and I wanted to get—I gave my take, but I want to hear your take on it, um, and uh, then we can go from there. I want to start with what I think we both agree is a excellent recruiting class at quarterback for the Longhorns.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you graded it an A plus. I don't know how you can give it anything but an A plus. It's not often you can get two guys in the top one hundred of the country, the top two quarterbacks in the state of Texas. Um, Hudson Card who put up, you know, huge numbers as a passer, Jaquinta Jackson who has, you know, just a freakish ability on the field as a as a guy that can take over a game and um I I think for Texas you kind of nailed it in your synopsis of it, but you know, being able to get a guy like Jackson who is such a force on the field but be able to cover your 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 back with a accomplished passer like Hudson card. I think that's a perfect combination to put together a quarterback class. I would also give it an a plus.
0: Yeah. I, I just, my, my take on that is you take one and you end up with Gerard Hurd, right. Or Tyrone swoops. Um, there are these developmental passer guys that are excellent runners. Well, guess what? All of a sudden you end up with no quarterback and, uh, not that Casey Thompson is, a only a runner or that Jaquindon Jackson is only a runner. But look at Rashawn Johnson. They've already moved him to running back, and it seems to be working out for him. And all, all indications were it wasn't working out necessarily. Uh, the early returns at quarterback weren't great for him at Texas. So uh, sometimes it just happens like that. And so if Jackson does indeed move to another position, I, I think that makes it uh, easier for Texas to... To go forward without having to all of a sudden scramble for a quarterback. Let's move on to running back, where I'm interested to hear your take, um, strictly because Texas only signed one. Granted, it's the best running back in the country, so I'm not, I'm not, I just worry that Texas clearly wanted to, clearly, and the numbers suggest they need to. But they didn't get him. So where where do you come out on this, Mike?
1: I think um, you know you had an A minus. If you have Bijan Robinson in your signing class, you can't have anything lower than an A minus. I don't think. Um, I would probably just go with a, with a solid A. Um, I do know that they wanted another running back, but um, you know they could they couldn't get a guy that they felt fit them um, late in the cycle. I think for them, a guy like ty jordan or Cavantre bradford was much more of a slot back option that could yes spend some time in the backfield but also play some slot and that was more where they were looking for him as so i don't know whether to apply that to running back or receiver but um i, I think i would probably just give it a solid a and say that you know getting bijan robinson away from ohio state and the cycle where ohio state basically got everybody they wanted uh, that's enough for a for a bump up to just a solid day for me.
0: I gotcha. I I I guess, does this mean they then go for two this coming year?
1: Yeah, I would think so, and I would think that they they stay pretty fluid. But if you look at the numbers now, you know, with having Keontae Ingram, Rashawn Johnson, and, and be John Robinson, that's not a bad threesome, not to mention Danny Young um, mixed in there, doing whatever he can, you know, as the fourth guy. Um, I think that there are a lot more talented. Sure, they would have probably liked another guy, but I think that other guy, good chance he might have redshirted. So, um, I think that if you can get two really good ones in the next class, you might be able to offset that.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so look for two this year, possibly. The The next group are the receivers group, which I thought was okay. I, I, I felt like I've mentioned this to you before. I really like Calvante Dixon. I know that, that that some people aren't as high on him. I also know that, you know, he's he's not necessarily your prototypical outside receiver given that he's six foot. So um, what are your thoughts on that group as a whole, Mike?
1: I would probably You know, I it's tough because I'm I always tend to look at things on the brighter side. And I'm with you. I think that Troy O'Meara, who I look. I was one of the big tutorial mere critics during most of his recruitment, but he really impressed me when I saw him last uh, fall. I think he can he can be that guy that Texas wants him to be on the outside as a big physical uh, possession guy. I, I think we've talked about how we both believe in, in Calvante Dixon's ability to attack deep from from the outside. To me, the X factor of this class is Dejan Harrison. Is he going to be just another guy, or is that insane quickness that he shows on film going to be a difference maker? I think if it were me, I'd probably give him a a C plus B minus. But depending on how Harrison, you know, really pans out or how they use him, I think could go up. You know, maybe a grade.
0: Yeah. See, I think my my piece on Harrison is I like his quickness. I don't think it's freaky. Like I don't think it's not not to be. Uh, pick nits, but I don't think it's Jalen Waddle. I don't think no. I don't think it's Devin A. Chain even. And so, um, or Devon A. Chain, however you say his his name. I and that gives me pause because when you're not those guys, what is your ceiling really at that position given given your uh your ability. So I I hear you and I don't I don't have a problem with any of those grades, because I think that, as I wrote in the article, I think time will tell on that. Right. I mean, right. Um, if Troy Omir, who's already on campus, and, and what I've heard is that he's he is a he's got some talent, but he absolutely has to improve in the strength category. My question is, as Texas went on, on him, is one step further. Is Texas last year took Marcus Washington and uh, Kennedy Lewis as those outside guys? both have better speed than omir right um right. and so how does he circle back into this i i feel like he was supposed to be more colin johnson ish slash malcolm epps and i and i right. just i just don't know um where uh mike yursich uses him vis-a-vis what a temp back tom herman type style was going to do so that's that's neither yeah. here nor there Um,
1: I mean, yeah, not to bog too much down into that scheme stuff, but, like, I I don't know. I think that if you pigeonhole him as a guy that's Colin Johnson who only lines up on one side of the field and runs one kind of route, then, yeah, you kind of limit him. But I think if you look at him for what he is and say he can do that, but he can also line up and be a flex guy on the inside um, and, you know, kind of mismatch with people, just be creative in your usage of him. And I think you get a lot more out of him.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's with with every player, right? So. Right. Um, all right, next guy, and, and this is uh, this one is going to be interesting to see how you see it. Tight end fullback slash H-back. They went with a young man out of Mansfield, Timberview, um, or is it Timber Creek? I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jaden Hullaby, who I like as a player. He goes 6'2", 205, played quarterback there. Uh, was it Bishop Dunn before this year? And I just think. I watch his film and I see a guy that runs through a lot of contact, not afraid of of contact clearly a smart intelligent player, not a lot of wasted movement. but what do you think of that overall given what Texas tried to do at the position?
1: Right I would if you're asking me to to grade, Jaden Holby as an H back. I like your grade of a B. I think that I even I could go up a little. I like his fit. I like his versatility. I like maybe what he could do in that Texas offense again. It's going to depend on how creative they get with him and how well they use him. If I'm grading the position overall though, I would probably knock it down to a C. I just think, you know, they didn't get I think Jaden Holby paired with a traditional more traditional type of guy. Um, especially as important as tight end is supposedly to this offense. Um, I think him paired with the more traditional type of guy would have been a, a stronger grade but they really just didn't go after those types of guys this year and it seemed to be happy with Holby but if Holby gets moved at the next level if he's moved over to defense for instance or or you know he spends a lot of time in the backfield as, as not an H-back what if they have to you know, because the numbers play at running back, then all of a sudden you really didn't get anything at that position. So I almost give it an incomplete more than anything.
0: Well, th- that's a that's a good question. The only other tight end I really know they tried on was the kid from Groover that ended up at uh, OU, Jalen Conyers, right? I mean, who else did right. they really go after?
1: Nobody else really. Which was I, I maybe they maybe they love their tight end numbers on campus, but I. I don't know. I thought this was maybe a year to go to go get a guy. They had a couple of options in the state they could have gone after late, and they didn't.
0: And, and Texas also had turnover at the position too, right? Yep. And so yep. I think uh, from a coaching perspective, so maybe that that played a role. But uh, uh, we we shall see. I think it bodes well for uh, Jared Wiley's future, and also potentially Braden Lebrac if if he if he is uh, uh, progressing as as hoped. So um, all right. Let's go to offensive line and I, I've gotta admit, Mike, this was probably the one that gave me the most consternation out of every single every single one. Because I think all of them are so far away from actually helping the Longhorns. Like I think I don't think I don't see a single one of them that's ready to play in year two for Texas, given given Texas's um, given their own ability, one, and two, given their uh, stage of development, um, and so I'd love to hear your take on all on that offensive line group.
1: Yeah, I I would probably give them a B, a B plus B. I really like the high floor aspect of of that group. I think that. Yeah, you're right. There's nothing spectacular. There's no standout guy, but I think all four of them have a chance to be very, very good contributors by the time they're done. And you know, you mentioned—I I thought it was a, a good point—you mentioned that the the development of Jalen Garth would be key to watch, and that's really the swing in this thing. If if Jalen Garth, who hasn't really played in a year and a half, develops to what we thought he could be or think he can be, then he could really elevate what this class's ceiling is. But um, I, I like the high floor nature of it I would disagree with you I would say that I could see Andre Carrick having a chance after a year in the strength program to play interior um, I could see Logan Parr there as well um, you know the Logan Parr and and uh, majors both in early so those guys are going to get a lot of time in the weight room I, I'm Curious to see how their bodies shake out after the spring. But those guys are all highly intelligent guys. I think Logan Parr is – I mean, I'm a lot higher, I think, on Logan Parr than just about anybody in the world. Maybe that makes me wrong, but sometimes I like being on an island there. And um, and I, I don't know. I could see it from Carrick and Logan Parr.
0: Yeah, I, I thought I, – I mentioned this in that article, and I, I see what you're saying because I went back and watched those guys yesterday. Um, I, I think Logan Parr has the – Highest floor of all of those Guys so I see him eventually playing No matter what um, you, you, Does that make sense to you I, I actually right. think that he's going To be a factor somewhere down The line now he may be second Team as a sophomore junior But I, I, I just feel like that Majors has the, Has potential to be a starting center Long term um, Garth I think is the really the only True tackle In uh, and given that there's only one of them, they, they really, his development is key. And then Carrick, I I, just, I think you and I disagree a little on him. I, I think that's where I come out. And so, like I said, the grading of the offensive line for me out of all of this, Mike, um, was the most difficult. And it, to be fair, it was also the most of any one position that they took uh, with, with, right. with four signees. All right, slipping on over to defensive line, uh, three guys – Two of them, blue chippers, uh, as blue as blue can get, uh, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton. And then a third one that not many people knew a bunch about before he committed the Longhorns, and that's Sawyer-Gorham-Welch out of Longview. What what did you think of that defensive line class as a whole?
1: I think that when you look at past years and what they've had to put together in that group, this was a home run, just getting Collins and, and Broughton, I – I agree with you. I would probably I think you nailed the grade. I would probably have loved a traditional especially if they knew that they were eventually going to be in a four man front, a traditional 64 defensive end that can rush the passer. Um, you know, that would have probably pushed that grade up for me, but getting those two monsters that can be so versatile and move all over the all over the, you know, field and um I think that that you've got to go high there and I really like the the third supplemental part of, of Sawyer Gorham Welch, who, again, lower ceiling, but I think a higher floor type of guy um, that's going to be able to get in there and play defensive tackle. And, um, yeah, he may not win all conference or, or anything, but he's going to be a guy that contributes down the road.
0: Any chance he could move to offense? Does he have that kind of body type?
1: I mean, I know that, that several schools talk to him about playing offensive guard. Um at some point, but, you know, I think he, he wanted to stay at defensive line, but you never know, you know, down the line.
0: Right. I, I kind of felt like he might be a tweener type on defense and, Mm -hmm. and, and really might fit on offense, but uh, Texas clearly took him as a defensive lineman. And, uh, you know, I think that I I'm a firm believer in, in numbers on the defensive line and letting them develop at at some point, you have to take these developmental prospects or else you're going to end up one day where you're, playing true freshmen that just aren't ready to compete at the line of scrimmage. So I think that's uh, probably smart. All right. Um, and what, what grade would you give it and which one? what did I give it again?
1: I think you gave it an A-minus, and I would agree with that. I'd also give it an A-minus.
0: Okay. All right. Linebacker. The two guys, Prince Dorba and uh, uh, Jalen Ford. I mentioned this. I mean, I was looking at their numbers today. One's like 6'2 and a half, 208. The other one's six two two o five. 205. So, pretty similar uh, physically.
1: Right. I you gave it a B plus. I'd probably go lower. I'd probably give it a B minus or even a C. I just I like the I like both guys a lot, but I think they could have got a lot more out of that position, especially from a need perspective. And um, you know when you
0: who'd they miss? Oh, no, no, that's fair. Who'd they miss on Mike?
1: Josh White from Psych Creek, I think, was a guy, and we'll talk about this in my behind the scenes piece. That was an easily gettable guy for them that they just didn't get. And I think that he was probably the best interior linebacker, him or Drew Sanders, depending on how you look at Drew Sanders, in the state of Texas. And um, you know, I think that they needed one more guy, um, another guy that could maybe play inside, um, guy with some size who could run. Um, You know, there were some. Some prospects We identified late in the cycle, but it looks like, you know, they were happy with, with taking two. But um, it's it's all going to depend on really how they play Dorba uh, going into the future. You know, we've always seen him as kind of an edge guy. But, um, you know, in a four-man front, maybe he's, you know, an outside guy that blitzes occasionally. Uh, you know, it just kind of depends. But I, I still think they needed a third guy in that group.
0: So I thought Dorba, out of everybody in the state, no matter his size, I thought he was the most natural pass rusher in the state. Period, end of story. Now, he's also, like you said, six two two oh five. So um that's not that's probably not big enough. I mean, Von Miller out of high school to give you an I think he was six foot, six foot one, uh, two twenty five. I don't see that happening with Dorba. You know what I mean? Um and so I I just I like I think they got a starter at outside linebacker. I don't know that they found an inside linebacker, someone that can stop the run. As you mentioned, you mentioned the perfect name, perfect name for me, and and Josh White, uh, who's that tackle-to-tackle guy that can also get outside. Makes you know what did Josh White have like 17 or 18 tackles a game as a senior?
1: Yeah, he was all over the field.
0: Yeah, exactly. So all right, I understand where you're at, and and I don't disagree with you. Cornerback, uh, Texas only took one true corner in the class, and that's Keaton Crawford out of John Tyler.
1: Again, I, I'm with you on the grade. You have a C. I'd probably give a C, C, C plus somewhere around there. I love the player. The one guy they got I absolutely love, and I've talked about that all year. I think they made a, a phenomenal early eval and got maybe the best cover corner in the state of Texas, certainly in the argument. And um, But they only got one, Bobby, and – they do have a lot of numbers in, in that room, but you know, I, I, in the big 12, man, I feel like you almost got to be infusing at least two corners and two safeties each year. Um, just, just from a number standpoint, from a, how many guys you play on the field standpoint and really just to make sure you don't have any holes in your development. So uh, yeah, I would, I would probably stick with a, a C or so. on. That so here
0: here's my take. Okay. And I'm, I I feel similar. I gave a C because I think Crawford's a future starter at some point. The 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 issue that you're bringing up as far as total numbers, you really have three corners on the field at a time if you really want to get down to it. Um in most typical uh Big 12 defenses because the slot, the guy that covers the slot is typ- typically really a corner, right? Um at least if he's, you know, excellent. And I think I think that's the issue is you know, there's no Deshaun Jameson in this class where okay he can be a corner or a nickel. Um and I I find that to be probably the biggest miss. And they went after a number of other guys, including Ennis Rakestraw late and they just came up late on him. But uh I actually I actually think you need to take two or three corners every year if you're playing in the Big Twelve simply because of the the need uh for a true nickel in that base defense. Um that you're going to run. Absolutely. Um, let's go to safety where I think we're going to disagree. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, and that's fine. Uh, but the two safeties are Zavian Alford out of uh, Pearland shadow Creek and uh, Jaron Thompson out of Lufkin. I gave the grade, I think a C plus, is that right? I, I think yes. I did. Yeah. And I, my reasoning, and then I want to pitch it over to you. My reasoning is, was I think both are more strong safety-ish types than they are free safeties. I don't think – I think, again, in the, the Big 12, I think you need a fast free safety, um, like really fast, like 4-4-ish, four, uh, because otherwise you're going to get beat over the top and you're not going to have uh, enough help in the on the backside. And so I, out of the two, I only see one eventually being the starter. Um, maybe I'm wrong, and one of them ends up playing down as a rover type at times, but that's kind of my feeling on it. Do you see those players differently, or do you just have a different take overall?
1: I see a lot of positional versatility with both of them, actually, and I think that's – it's funny that you said this is where we're going to disagree because when I read the article, that was the one part where I was like, I really disagree with this. Um, I think that Xavier Alford is a guy that can play just about any safety spot – out there you know he, he ran a four five five uh verified time last spring it's not hard to think he gets faster in the strength program um you know i i could see him as a nickel but really like his intelligence for the game i love him playing free safety playing deep and being able to line up and and kind of put everybody in the right position and then jared thompson is a guy that i think could probably play strong or nickel um you know depending on, on how they want to use them. And that's that's really the hard part, was I kind of had a good idea of how the old staff saw those positions. I don't have a great idea of how Chris Ash sees those positions. So um, really it's, you know, trying to fit it into that, I don't know. But I think there's a lot of versatility between those two guys, especially with Alford, who I think could play, you know, all three positions. You
0: think I made a, a somewhat somewhat of a comparison between Caden Stearns and Xavier and Alford from a – mental aspect of the game do you do you agree with that at all
1: absolutely and I'd, I'd throw Jaron Thompson in there as well like the both those guys are instinctive as, as can be um but you know and I haven't I haven't had an opportunity Jaron Thompson's the kid I probably know least in the class just because he's kind of quiet and I he was one I just didn't get to get out and see in game much this year or anything but um Xavier and Alfred I've had an opportunity to talk with a ton and uh, just understanding his mental approach to the game and knowing Caden the way I did during his recruitment, yeah, I see a lot of similarities there.
0: Okay. And so taking all those grades into consideration, and I know, what did Texas finish? Ninth in the country with this recruiting class uh, and the composite. So what what are your thoughts in the 24-7 sports composite? What are your thoughts on the actual overall grade of this class, Mike?
1: If I had to give it an overall grade, um, I would probably land somewhere around a B+. I think that they addressed a lot of needs, um, but I think that they left some meat on the bone as well. Um, and I think that as much as this class can be about, you know, we signed these great position groups, it can also be about we had a lot of missed opportunities. And so I think that that, that would put it somewhere around a B+. For me.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower. I think it's a B, even though it's a top 10 class. I think as good as as good as the quarterback was and as good as the the elite running back is i think they they needed at least one more corner i think they may have missed on a they needed more uh, eliteness i guess at the offensive lineman uh, i think they needed another big time receiver and uh, or could have used another big time receiver that was ready to play early and then also, um, I think they, they didn't get that outside rush guy, 6'3, 6'4, 2, 240, 250 guy. So that, right. that's my, that's my take on it. At the same time, there are some bright spots, which we've, which we've also highlighted. And, uh, you know, Alfred Collins, uh, is a can't miss guy, in my opinion. So that's how it ended up yesterday for the Longhorns. And, and it ended up the 2020 recruiting. But Mike, uh, There is some more recruiting to go. We should mention that. Texas might be looking at at graduate transfers at at which particular positions again?
1: Uh, Wide receiver, linebacker, and offensive line, I think, is where you'd see that.
0: Okay. Any particular names right now other than the young man out of uh, Michigan that apparently has been linked to Texas some?
1: Yeah, Tariq Black is the name of the the receiver from Michigan. Um, there was a the Stanford offensive of lineman, Bobby, that you and I talked about, but he's already gone off the board. Yeah, he went to um, Duke,
0: I think. Yeah, yep. so
1: I haven't heard any names outside of that, but that's something we'll really start to dig in on, um, you know, post my vacation.
0: Yeah, have you heard of any late Juco evals like Jawan Mitchell yet? Or
1: No, nothing yet. Those kind of came out of nowhere last year. I mean, we had a good idea on Willie Tyler. Um, but but Jawan Mitchell was later, much later in the year. So I think that they're going to kind of see where the dust clears and and who who got who signed where and what's left, and then maybe start looking into guys.
0: Gotcha. Well, Mike, I appreciate it. That that completes, uh, I guess, year one of this this podcast. Um, uh, we started, I guess, in late August and and uh, have wrapped it up here with uh, Signing Day, twenty twenty. Uh, thanks for listening to the State of Recruiting. Uh, I'm Bobby Burton our uh, featured analyst is Mike roach of horns 24/7 thank you for listening ple you can subscribe at any uh, any place that you can find podcasts and uh from me and Mike hook them